Good afternoon, good morning, or good evening, and welcome to the American Age podcast. This is C. Travis Webb, editor of the American Age, and I am speaking to you from still fairly sunny Southern California. Stephen and Seth, how are you guys doing? Pretty good. Good, 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 good. good. I'm speaking to you. I'm Seth Rodney, and I'm an editor at Hyperallergic and uh, adjunct faculty at the Parsons School of Design, and I'm speaking to you from the South Bronx, where it's actually rather gray and cold and miserly today. Ah. <laughs> and I'm Stephen G. Fullwood. I'm coming to you from a Harlem that's arrested at the moment, waiting for the snow to come at around Ooh. noon today. And I am the co-founder of the Archivist Project, which is a project uh, consulting company for um, individuals who, and organizations who would like to learn more about their archives and how to preserve them. And this is to remind our listeners that we try to practice a form of intellectual intimacy on the American Age podcast, which means that we just try and uh, hear one another and give each other the space to work through things out loud and figure figure some things out. Um, today's uh, episode is going to be Veterans Part Two. Uh, I don't have a I don't have a colon after that yet. Uh-huh. I figure that'll just come out of the the conversation today. Okay. Um, and we're extending the conversation because you know we got into some uh, into a good back and forth last time around uh, the military and military service and sacrifice and the rest of it. So I'd like, I don't know, Seth or Stephen, one of you guys want to uh, kind of lead us into the conversation and, and we'll just kind of pick up the thread and go from there? Well, well, Stephen, I, I seem to recall that you had come up with a really potent and uh, co- cogent idea, but I don't remember exactly what it was. <laughs> I remember the part of the conversation because I'm a little bit of a narcissist that I ended <laughs> off with, and uh, which was or, or left a conversation with, which was um, the bit about how it's very difficult for men in this culture to be sexy. Um, but mm. but one of the few places where men can do that really clearly and sort of mm. sort of across genres of of culture, you know, literature, film, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, music. Men in uniform, right. veterans can be sexy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I thought that was a so I thought, yeah, good point. I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, yeah, yeah, no. I wanted to just follow up on that and see what you go, you all thought about that. When you said it, it 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 made a lot of sense to me. And to be honest, the first thing that popped in my mind was porn and mm-hmm. this idea of um, you know even the way they sort of sexualized um, a mainstream movie like Top Gun. For example, mm-hmm. the shirts were mm-hmm. off, they were playing volleyball, and I've seen countless um, sort of spoofs of those moments. Of, yeah, you know, a lot of sort of aggressive. Um, <laughs> I have to say, I, I think I could say this safely in this space. That scene on the beach was super gay. <laughs> <laughs> this is a safer space. It was quite gay. But, and, it's, and the thing is that, um, that I think... What I find interesting about the um, just that tension, right? The tension between heterosexuality and heterosexuals not finding other men or other 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 men in any kind of way sexual, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Is the tension that I think is interesting when it comes to military because kind of like religion in a way, 
the only other person you're allowed to love or express love for, desire for, is a male god, right? Mm. So I think I think of those two moments mm. as being the moment where someone can, ah, I'm in the church, I can say I love him, and I'm talking about Jesus, or that you know mm-hmm. the sergeant was this, and he he never let a man down, and he came back and he rescued all of us, and he carried a hundred right. of us on his arms, right. you know that kind of thing. <laughs> right. So I so I love him. Yeah. yeah. So I love him. Yeah. 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 This guy, yeah, right? yeah. So. Yeah. That's that's the only thing that's what struck me immediately the last time you mentioned it. Yeah. Yeah. Seth, so yeah. do you remember um it was just a conversation we had a long time ago, and I think Fareed was involved in the conversation. Uh, there was and it was an art piece where it was maybe a, a photograph or a film of an NFL game, and the subtext of it, you and it was something like you invent a lab and and the 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 football player like had an ass pat or something like that. And it the it was you would you invent elaborate rituals to allow yourself male intimacy or something like that. Mm. No, so um, so so the original where that quote is from, and I and I'll uh correct it a little bit, is thank you. you invent elaborate rituals to touch the skin of other men. Oh wow. Uh, and yeah, it's actually <laughs> it's actually from Barbara Kruger, I believe. Either Barbara Kruger or Jenny Holster, but I think it's Barbara Kruger. Okay. And the the original that I saw, that is the piece of art that I connect that phrase with, mm-hmm. was the image actually of a wedding party where the guys form a pyramid and they're all sort of, you know, when there's one, there's a, there's like five guys on the bottom mm-hmm. and then on, on their backs, there are four guys and on their backs, there are three guys. So they, you know, pile up on each other to take a picture of the guys involved in the wedding party. Mm-hmm. And underneath that image is the caption, uh, you develop elaborate rituals to touch the skin oh, of wow. other men. Wow! And I probably we did probably have a conversation about that, and maybe what you're thinking of is maybe some other artists riffed on that, and they may have maybe. replaced the image. With it a, may have been a riff in our conversation as well. We may have been talking be. about spores. I don't. I don't remember exactly, but I do remember. Right, and we just that. should say for the for people who don't know who Farid is, that's Farid Matuk. He is a poet. Uh, who I believe is at the University of New Mexico? Arizona. Arizona. University of Arizona. And he's the one who introduced um, Travis and I to each other at a party like umpteen years ago. Oh, so. um, cool. Uh, yeah. So, you know, the, there is something, you know, sort of as far as talking about kind of the sexualized or the permissible sexualization of, of men in uniform. Mm. Um it's hard to locate exactly all of the variables that come into play with that kind of um, with imbuing that that role with a kind of sexuality. But a, a couple of them, you know, one is the way that society or sophisticated societies, right, need to lock down identities. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, we we are right. It. it in in more traditional societies, you have sort of these these sanctioned liminal spaces where sexuality, as far as uh, same sex uh, same sex uh, interactions and sexuality between men, women between women, uh, shifting partners and things like that, are, are kind of sexualized are, are uh, sanctioned moments within the traditional culture mm-hmm. where rules are kind of relaxed. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and and it, it it's a sort of you know it's abundantly clear that a variety of our behaviors take place across a spectrum, right? Well, that, that we are not, that we are not natural, being as socially malleable as we are, we are not naturally locked into roles, mm-hmm. right? It, right? It's it's pretty strange, actually, right? For 
for oh i'm sorry steven i was just thinking oh please could you finish because i just want to use the word psychotic but go ahead (laughs) (laughs) okay i want to hear your point yeah pin and psychotic right so it's 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 fairly it's fairly unnatural to be so firmly locked into one type of role whether it be heterosexuality whether it be a profession Mm -hmm. right whatever it is the kind of routinized nature of complex societies and i you know i I don't know that I, in fact, I, I, I do know that I cannot elegantly articulate it at this moment, but it seems abundantly clear to me that Freud would be pretty helpful in helping think about the ways that complex societies maintain themselves by channeling that kind of sexual energy mm. into, into, these, into these routines and, that, um, and that, that what you are seeing is kind of an excess of that or what you are encountering is an excess of that sexual sexual power in in those clearly demarcated roles the general with the uniform the soldier mm-hmm. you know the sort of the fireman i mean the, even these i would maybe go so far as to say like maybe perhaps all uniformed officials are in some sense a symbolic extension of war of the warrior um, i was of, about to of, say of, of ex- war of, of, of the warrior yes. class oh, yeah. right? yes, like, so we could just yeah. all group them under the warrior class and yeah and, absolutely and, and an interesting thing that occurs to me um i really would love to pursue the freud line but i honestly don't know about enough about Freudian mechanics to make uh, a good a good go of that argument. Um, although I think you're absolutely right. From what I've read about Freud, uh, he, he, someone else who's again more versed in this, in psychoanalytic theory could talk about the jouissance and how that is the mm. sort of the excess that exceeds the sort That's of. That's Bart, yeah, Roland Bart's. I, oh, it, yeah. it might be. Yeah. It might be. But the sort of excess, right? The, the sort of joy that sort of springs that that springs unbidden from us, or um, the thing that can't be completely the part of our psyche that can't be completely regulated or escapes regulation. Mm, mm-hmm. um, but I want to go actually talk a little bit about um, what is the sto- wait? It is the story written by the Greek historian poet about the conquest of Troy. It mm-hmm. is, what is that called again? It's with Agamemnon and Achilles. The, what? The Odyssey? No, the Iliad. Oh. The Iliad. Oh, oh the Iliad. Go. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Oh, right. my God. That's, I, please, Chris, uh, that's our engineer. <laughs> edit that out. <laughs> keep it. Keep it. <laughs> I, I, I'm kidding. You don't have to edit that out. <laughs> um, the Iliad, uh, which I Ugh. finally listened to last year, actually. Uh, I, I, I think I bought it on, on tape. Or Travis, you may have given it to me as a gift, actually, for my birthday. I you think know, that's right. Yeah. I think that's right. Yeah. But one of the things I remember reading about the warriors involved in that story, Achilles in particular, who was perhaps the biggest swinging dick in the field, mm-hmm. was that they would often take, like the men, the other men that are sort of, the, I, I don't know how exactly to describe them, but they're the sort of cadets to their to their class. They are the sort mm-hmm. of attachés mm-hmm. that spend time mm-hmm. with them, drink with them, suit them up in their in their armor, uh, take care of their weaponry, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. They were often, from what I've heard, were often also s- sort of regular sexual partners mm-hmm. of these leading men. So there was a s- sort of elastic sort of role mm-hmm. these sort of mm-hmm. attachés played where they were mm-hmm. kind... They weren't described as lovers exactly, but 
Mm. Again, I, I wish I had a, a, a the kind of scholar that we need to 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 properly do this. But from what I read and heard, the um, that kind of sexuality was relatively normal. Like they would mm-hmm. they would have wives and they'd have concubines, but they'd also like get it on with like these guys who were around them all the time. Yeah, I mean, I th- to 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 pepper it with a little bit that I remember. I mean, I think it's fairly well accepted that Patroclus was Achilles' lover. Right, that's uh, the one. Who Patroc- is, yeah, Patroclus, and, right. and Patroclus is, is, what, is what leads uh, Achilles to his rage, right? When Patroclus puts on his armor and is actually killed. Right. Uh, uh, in lieu of him, in lieu of Achilles. Yeah, that's right. right. Yeah. yeah, and that's what drives him into his insane. That would, that's what finally pushes him to... Um, to overcome his hatred for Agamemnon, right, and, and, and get actually, back into the war, yeah, and, yeah. and fight Hector. So, um, yeah. yeah, I think that's a fairly well. I'm, and I'm sort of the intuitively, right. So mm. when when I try and feel these things out, I do. I try to sort of intuitively, um, or I try to intuit my own sort of just experiences of being in a body. Clearly sexuality and violence are pretty deeply intertwined and um and and they it it makes it makes sensible humans uncomfortable yeah Um, yeah 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 yeah, yeah. it does it makes me uncomfortable absolutely i'm not sensible Uh, but it makes me feel uncomfortable as well (laughs) (laughs) that makes unsensible humans uncomfortable so and i don't think you know as a culture i don't Mm. think america in particular i'm not going to make a blanket generalization about the west but i will say america in particular doesn't we don't have really good stories for dealing with that we have stories Mm -hmm. for dealing with it but we don't have really good stories for dealing with the kind of with the ways that um, that violence and aggression and sexuality are are intertwined, mm-hmm. um, and so it leaks out in kind of you know absurdist mm-hmm. uh, pornographic scenarios and things like that. Like the one in sorry, Steve. I know you were going to say something. I apologize, oh, no but worries. I just want to say say this quickly. Like the the scene in. Um, one of those crazy war movies that there was a spate of them in the late 80s, Hamburger Hill, Platoon, la la la, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Full Metal Jacket. I may have been in Full Metal Jacket. There was some scene with some guy masturbating in the middle of the night and he would like call out like he would say something like one, two, three or something like that before he'd actually ejaculate. It was some weird mm-hmm. scene like that where mm-hmm. they, they were sort of fetishizing him doing it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But also making it obvious that it was really absurd, but also at the same time normalizing it. Like this is what mm-hmm. happens in barracks when you're <sighs> training, kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. it's weird. Well, Stephen, so kind of. So I was thinking earlier about sex and violence and how mm-hmm. how we're being um, socialized overall. And I think after last week, and I think one of you might have mentioned this: the myth, the myth of redempted violence. Did either one mm. of you mention it? And so this mm-hmm. is, I think it was Travis. Maybe. We've mentioned it before on the podcast. So yeah, I don't and, know I, if it was and I wrote it down different. because I was like, well, let me find out more about this. And I think, mm-hmm. you know, it's so I was reading Walter Wink, the guy who wrote this piece. Um, mm-hmm. He says that the myth of redemptive violence is the simplest, laziest, most exciting, uncomplicated, irrational, and primitive depiction of evil the world has ever known. And he talks a lot wow. about the ways in which it's just a part of our DNA in terms of how we're social, not part of our DNA, excuse me, how we're socialized. And so when you think about how we're coming to our um, sexual um, sensibilities as kids, you know, through um, 
Mm-hmm. What's that period that you go through? Those kids, adolescence, <laughs> adolescence, puberty, puberty. puberty yes. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know you humans. I just got here. <laughs> I'm from a small planet in Andromeda, and so. <laughs> in the but the, I remember feeling like part of. I think I, I might have mentioned this before. In the sixth grade, up until sixth grade, boys were. We were competitive with the girls in terms of being smart or having the right, right answer when the teacher called mm-hmm. out. And it's right. at six, I mean, the sixth grade, that was all out the window. It was learn how to be a boy. Boy training started. Mm-hmm. Boy training was always, you know, happening. But I think there was a con- this consciousness in my brain. It was like, oh, no one cares if we're smart anymore. We're supposed to be fighting mm-hmm. and playing sports and, you know, generally being disruptive, you know, in class. That's it. That's insightful, Stephen. Yeah. It helped me understand some things, but it was very, very painful that I remember mm. about feeling even more um, isolated because I didn't mm-hmm. have the language to talk about it. I just knew that it was that if I wanted to be smart or if I wanted to continue, um, it would be on my own. It wouldn't be in the class. Mm-hmm. Do you know? So the yeah. comic books and other kinds of books and things, those became my um, refuges. And I wonder right. what you guys if it ever happened to you guys, did you ever notice this when you were um, being um, yeah. sort of, you know, uh, socialized in this way? Yeah, oh, for sure. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I don't mean for sure. I mean, I, if I, that that uh, that window, sort of when puberty kind of really takes hold, right? It, it's not like it's sudden onset, but there is that kind of it accelerates. Yeah. Um, that's when I developed crippling social anxiety. Uh, uh, I mean, just really, really, really uh, uh, awful social anxiety um, that got progressively worse uh, until it started to get better. Okay. Um, so yeah, I I absolutely you know, and and your sort of anecdote of that. I mean, I I, I very seriously relate to it. Um, you know, one of the things though, I you know, I think it's important for people like us to remember though, is that. That's probably not the norm. Not that mm. not that internal lives are not normal. I do think again we need better stories in America for men's internal lives mm-hmm. uh, because we they we all have them regardless of your your inclinations, your intellectual inclinations or or preferences. Mm-hmm. Um, but that being said, I know that on the Richter scale of sensitive males, I am incredibly sensitive. Okay. Like as in like how readily my feelings get hurt mm-hmm, or mm-hmm. Um, how attentive I am to social cues. I am at, I didn't always think this, but I am, I'm, I'm convinced at this point that that is, that's not the norm, right? I'm, I'm, I'm surrounded by plenty of men and, and even women mm-hmm. that are not sensitive in that way. And that sensitivity comes with some advantages and some disadvantages. Yeah. But it's not it's not necessarily better even though I may not trade it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I and I I think that, you know, you know, I think if we just look if we pull back, you know, 10,000 feet, mm-hmm. um we see that this this intertwining of sexuality and violence so that the quotation that you had pulled mm-hmm. up, um I I have a knee-jerk reaction to reflexively dismissing what most human beings do. Okay. And it's and it's it's it is definitely not unusual for men of physical prowess who excel at sports to get all the pussy or all the dick they mm-hmm. want, right? I mean, they this is yeah. in general, yeah. 
that is a very appealing trait to yes. other members of our oh, species. Yeah, it exactly. may not be for you or me, but it doesn't no, make no, it. No, no, it is. Let <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> me be clear. It is. It is. No, I, I regularly, I had those fantasies. I mean, I don't fantasize about that now. But yeah, I wanted to be like a big baller shot caller when I was in high yeah, school. Like, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So it doesn't make it dumb. It just makes it human. Right. And, and we are, and, and there, there are other versions of that. Mm -hmm. But it's not a lower order story um, unless uh, we're using lower order in some like really like straight up biological sense that I don't think that writer means. So, so here's a thing. Here's a thought experiment, guys. And I've used to do this with myself a lot more. Um, every now and again, I would say to myself, okay, this is where my life is right now. Let's say it was, I don't know, 10 years ago. I'm in London. I'm working on a PhD. I'm failing miserably. I don't know how to do this. Mm -hmm. um, if I had the choice right now, would I trade places with like, I don't know, who was like a great NBA player who was like a, a phenom at the time, Darius Miles? Would I trade place with places with him? Would thinking about all that he has laying, laying ahead of him? Mm-hmm. It's part of this like symbolic warrior class. He's going to get paid a lot. He's going to get laid a lot. Mm -hmm. He's probably going to have a, re a relatively pampered life. But he may have injuries. He may not ever have the kind of intellectual or spiritual development that I really crave mm -hmm. and value. So would I trade it? Would I, would, I, would I trade in my life for his? And I think most of the time I went through that experiment, I, I, I ended up at... In my own life, I would mm -hmm. say to myself, you know, actually, as sensitive as I am, and as much as I, 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 I find a really palpable lack of that kind of sensitivity in other human beings mm. around me. Wow. I still want this life. I still want the life where I am alert in these very sort of rigorous ways mm -hmm. to what's going on around me right now. And if I could be a warrior that just didn't have that kind of comprehensive sort of view of the world, mm -hmm, right? Mm -hmm. But I just sort of like cared about like who I was fucking and what meal I was eating and who I was killing mm -hmm. the next day, I, I, I think I would feel like I was missing out. I... That may be cognitive dissonance, but <laughs> I, I want to say this about you, Travis, and I think that would be a really good show for us to do, all three of us, obviously. Yes, is this, cognitive dissonance. The cognitive yes. dissonance, but also sensitivity. I I, I brought all yeah. of I brought my lawyers, I brought my um, everybody into the into the courtroom to say, Travis, I think you're completely incorrect about sensitivity. I think that mm, okay. I think it is the cognitive dissonance, and I also feel that there's so you you mean I'm incorrect in that you think it's more prevalent than I'm suggesting? Oh, definitely. No, I think I think okay, I've seen okay. it in too many different ways with people who I mm. either assumed had no feelings <laughs> to speak of because mm. of the way they operated, and it was when the mm -hmm. chips were brutally down that mm -hmm. the guts were shown, or they had to show their guts, mm -hmm. or the guts were just going to be shown. But that there mm. is there are scripts, and that people typically go off script in arguments. And when mm. pushed, 
I'm like, oh, no, no, no. I see your sensitivity. I do. It's just I know that the ways in which we play sensitivity or that we perform it can be um, complicated depending on how we want to be seen and where we want to be seen and if we want to be seen at all in that way. Mm -hmm. So just want to say that. But the Mm -hmm. thought experiment, I'm too... I think I'm the best thing that ever happened to this place. So I like... (laughs) I'm okay okay being myself. And then... But then I go, but what, what, what do I do with these tools? sometimes right, you know so right. i just want to say that about the thought experiment so the and i actually i think it, it would be a good uh podcast and maybe we can uh, put that on deck in the, in the next month or so uh, one thing i would uh, push back on is clearly we would want to say that not all people are equally sensitive yeah. right mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. Uh, because and so i would certainly in in my suggestion i i believe very strongly that Many, if not most people, are more particularly men are more sensitive than they let mm-hmm. on, right. and that's why you know I think better stories for about for about men's internal lives. Yes. But but I have also known people that I, in my experience of them do more readily allow themselves to let go of things or. Um, yeah. whose suspension is just better developed, right? Yeah, so yeah. like the bumps in the road, like it's just like, oh, it's all right, it's okay. You know, the car is bumping, but but they have a really solid suspension system in place. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> anyway, we don't have to go too far down that line, but uh, but uh, but I do accept, I mean, I do I do understand why you would push back on that. And I do, I, I, I get um, um, that it's clearly more prevalent than, than I suggested in my first characterization. So I have the inkling that I want to do a little bit of summarizing here. So what we came to in talking about the sort of ways that the warrior class is sexualized is that Mm -hmm. um, it is both typical of culture and in some ways in American culture is so atypical that we haven't really found a way to tell good stories around how those things work together. How being mm-hmm. a warrior works with being a sexual being. Mm. Um, we haven't figured out a way to to tell stories that are not kind of stereotypically about the guy who sort of like uh, has this amazing training and then something t- triggers him and then he goes off and kills a whole swath of people. And, you know, there's the sort of weeping girlfriend in the background saying, oh, my God, let me talk to him. I can save him. Maybe if I just touch, t- touch his heart, touch his soul. La, la, la. So I, I think I think where we and I think we're kind of coming to the end of the podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> Thank you, Seth. <laughs> I, I had like five things to say, but I appreciate it. No, I'm, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, I, I, I think I think I want to take. um both Stephen and Travis's, uh, I'm not sure what to call them, codicils, warnings to heart, which is that one, we are actually much more sensitive than we let on. And two, we need to tell better stories about that. We need to show um, ourselves, not anybody else, we need to show ourselves Mm -hmm. this sort of spectrum of desire within men and women in the warrior class. So it's not just about training regulation being triggered and going off mm-hmm. and then like coming back finding their way back to humanity there's got to be other ways to tell good stories oh, about yeah. who we are oh yeah yeah i i mean and to to take with that and also to lead towards wrapping up i mean i but i would say in particular a deep weakness we have currently 
in American popular discourse is we are woefully unprepared to deal with uh, the close proximity of sexuality and violence. Yeah. And, and, and yeah. we just uh, were bad at it. And what yeah. we do is we deny it yep. and we sanitize sexuality um, in a variety of religious and cultural ways. And administrative um, and, as is, as in when we kind of wholesale ignore the rape complaints that we have been coming out of women in the military absolutely. and we say, Oh no, they shouldn't be there in the first absolutely. place, which is just the stupidest thing. Yeah, and and what it does it, is it it allows it allows the most base and simplistic notions to rule the day, right? Mm-hmm. So this I so it allows kind of hysteria. I would argue it it it, it gives space to a kind of hysteria mm-hmm. on both the left and the right. Mm-hmm. Um, even though I think those are ham-fisted characterizations mm-hmm. to yeah. talk about sexuality because mm-hmm. we're just not very good. I mean, and so you get what I would con- I know you you neither one of you may agree with this, but but I would consider consider a fairly weak, lame complaint slash movement in the Me Too movement. Mm. I don't think that it's really doing much to advance and unpack the kind of complexity that is involved in sexuality. Mm. Um, so but Girlies, but anyway, and, and I and, yeah. and I know that it seems like we've won, but I really do think that you know this it does kind of turn around this core of violence. Yeah. And and that and that, that it's mm-hmm. you know kind of there are sanctioned Authorized types of violence where it's expressed, but anyway, I don't. No, that's that. a that's a really good point. I want. Uh, we should do a, a whole episode on that. That would be lovely. Yes, okay. that would be lovely. Me too, absolutely. And the last thing absolutely. I want to mention, okay. very briefly, is mm. that the storytelling mm. that both of you are talking about is not storytelling that we respect, and it's called "I Start Where mm. I Began." Pornography. Mm. <laughs> this is mm. unbridled <laughs> desire. If capitalism can sell it, people will produce it. And there, mm. there is there is learning to be done from what we produce as pornography as anti storytelling, as a absolutely. You know, there's a lot of where we are in our hearts and heads, and our mm. obviously our genitalia where we want to go. But mm. that's anti storytelling in terms of the healthy what we would consider. We're not going to teach it in school, you know, obviously to kids. Uh, this is but think about it. Mm. This is great. So I think I think we should. I think um, so. Our next podcast is going to be uh, a Thanksgiving podcast. But after that, I I would like to suggest pornography because oh, yeah. you just you just said something, Stephen. That just it clicks something for me. Like pornography reveals the lie of the story. Oh, yes, absolutely. Mm. Like absolutely. I, I mean, so like it it is the most watched form of entertainment, and it shows how utterly disposable narratives mm-hmm. are mm. to to base level satisfaction. Mm. Um, yes, but so, there's a narrative okay. within that I mean, narrative. There's a counter narrative. Sure. Yes. Okay. <laughs> sure. Okay. Okay. Wow. Okay. Okay. So we're gonna uh, go there. Okay. Uh, okay. 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 <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, and with that. Yeah. So, uh, Stephen, uh, Seth, uh, thanks very much for the conversation. As always. Thank you. Uh, and Thank uh, you. I'll talk to you guys soon. All right. talk to okay. You soon.